paranormal experiences don't really work to a timescale, and therefore we invite you to listen to a dark mini-sode. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another edition of a dark mini-sode. These are your little appetizers before the main course, so to speak, of the full Dark Paranormal episode released on a Friday. The experiences that you will hear on a minisode will either come directly from the back catalogue of people's personal experiences that they've sent me over the years, or if something comes in that very week that I'm recording and it excites me, I'll read that out too. And also, just to clear up any confusion, just to clarify, all of the experiences that you hear on a mini-sode here are not repeated on the Patreon episodes Dark Bites, and vice versa. To give an example of that, this experience we will cover today genuinely had my interest peaked from minute one. And although the experience may well be short, I believe sometimes that can be better because it allows our imagination to fill in the blanks. Whereas if we look at Dark Bites this week, because Patreon is its own platform, the experience that we will cover this week on Dark Bites also has video evidence and a photograph to accompany the experience. Hopefully that clarifies the position on both the Minisode and the Dark Bites episodes and the differences in between the two. Don't forget, if you would like to join our Patreon, simply head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. But hopefully what's having both the minisodes and the Dark Bites episodes shows is that we will accept submissions of any length. Because the last time I checked, the paranormal doesn't have a stopwatch. And it also doesn't care that I need one experience over 30 minutes to produce a weekly show. So therefore, if you have an experience which could even be a paragraph long, email it over. Contact at thedarkparanormal.com Now, as I said earlier, today's minisode had me hooked from minute one. And you'll see why. Because the email I received from Rachel was entitled A Demon in Yorkshire. This story is true, and my mother and I kept everything quiet for a long time. But my partner has encouraged me to share with others the story of the worst paranormal experience of my life. It was the winter of 1985. I was 11 years old, and my grandmother had just died. My mother and I had to move to a new home, and we didn't have a penny between us. The house was a small two-bedroom terraced house on a council estate in Heckmondwick, West Yorkshire. There was an old cemetery just a few streets away. I come from a long line of sensitives, and I was raised with the shared knowledge of the paranormal. And we have seen many things but never anything like what we were to experience over the next seven years. Upon moving in, we didn't notice a thing wrong. Making a home from nothing took up most of our time and also took a lot out of us, 
The house was large and quiet, but hot to heat and very cold. It started with banging noises from the attic. Perhaps the wind, we thought. Large cold spots on the landing. Smells that would come from nowhere. Then things started going missing. My school shoes, decorative ornaments, books, trinkets. And they would all be found at the bottom of the garden, underneath an overhanging bush. Pretty little things. People out on the street would apparently see a woman waving at them from an upstairs window in her 60s with grey hair and a nice cheerful face and they would come to us and ask who's the old woman staying with you? Of course, there was no one staying with us. Many friends when visiting would see her on the stairs and even in the bathroom when they went in to use the loo. We never told anyone about her, unless they experienced her themselves. We decided to give her the name Martha, and she never gave us any trouble. One day, a neighbour took us aside and told us of a couple who lived in the house in the 1960s. The husband was violent towards his wife. Jealous, possessive of her. And every day before work, he would lock her in the house. Well, to be specific, he would lock her in the attic. A year soon passed and we still didn't have any money. School life for me was hard. I was bullied constantly for being poor, and I was also going through puberty at the time, whilst my mother was going through menopause. As you can imagine, the air was always dense, full of tension. The spirit activity was getting really bad. We were both having bad dreams, Dreams where a darkness would cover us, where we'd be groped by unseen hands and raped by something invisible. When we awoke, we would find fresh bruises on our thighs. I had the largest bedroom to myself. It was brightly decorated, strewn with soft toys, records, tapes, books. The walls were covered with rock music posters. My mother had the bedroom next to mine, but as a single parent, she would sleep on the sofa in the living room. The bed would always be made, just in case we had any visitors staying over. But there would be noises coming from inside that bedroom. There would be whispering, soft moans, loud bangs. I would turn up my TV to block out the noise and I try not to notice the shadow people walking past my door. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. 
And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank accounts. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. The shadow people walking past my door would happen on a weekly basis. And we became used to it. On the mornings after such a night of heavy activity, we would look in to find the bedding bunched up in the middle of the bed fresh stains on the mattress but no sign of anything leaking from anywhere we once decided to go to our local church for help though my mother was not particularly religious and we did not attend church we spoke with the local vicar a lovely young man who heard our story and came around to bless the house after the blessing all was quiet within the house. So, we were totally unprepared when just a few weeks later, all hell broke loose. The smells around the house were sickening, like a hot, fetid, sour excrement. The drains were clear, freshly cleaned, it was as though something unseen was breathing its stench in your face. Sometimes there were deep growling snorting noises, like a pig or a boar. Strange scratches would appear. We'd both taken to sleeping in the living room, on the sofas, with the light on, and would even pray for help. But that only seemed to make whatever it was madder. One day my mother was washing the windows. The upstairs landing window was quite large, and as she was a small lady, she would always use a dining chair to reach the top of the frame. She often did this, and was accustomed to doing it. I was tidying my room, and we were chatting between rooms whilst cleaning. Suddenly, there was a loud bang and I ran to the landing just in time to see my mother and the chair she was standing on be pushed so hard that she landed halfway down the flight of stairs, somehow managing to grab onto the spindles of the banister to stop her from falling to the bottom. My mother was very shaken, very bruised and very battered. We sat, and she told me what happened. 
she'd heard a whispering. And then suddenly, there came a really hard shove to the chair, sending both it and her flying. We would have loved to move out, but we had no money. We had nowhere to go. Waiting lists for council houses were years long, and so we simply did our best. By the time I was 15 years old, we'd started going on walks at night, as it was a rather rural area, and always felt safe to us. Or we would go to friends' houses, and only go back to our house to sleep. My mother had a few boyfriends during the time we were living in the house, but they never lasted very long. I don't think they could understand what was going on, or they were simply too scared to hang around. There was one boyfriend who actually stood his ground, a lovely man who came to be almost like a father to me. And for a time, we were like a normal family. We were all in bed one night, having recently moved the beds downstairs into the living room so we were all together. I was at one side of the large room, asleep in my bed, and mother and her boyfriend were laid in theirs, awake, chatting, when they saw what looked like three huge tadpoles each about three feet long, sliding and slithering up the bed towards them. The stench and the whispering voices were now at their worst. The banging noises started and the grunting pig sounds were louder than they'd ever been. Then, in the corner near my bed, there appeared a white figure, which looked like the silhouette of a Catholic bishop wearing his robes, with a mitre upon his head. The figure made motions towards me, as though it were placing a blessing upon me. My mother screamed, her boyfriend grabbed me half asleep from my bed, and we ran to the local church, where our hammering on the door got the vicar startled from his bed at four in the morning. He brought us into the church, took us up to the altar and proceeded to bless each of us, laying his hands on our heads one by one. During his blessing, Mother's boyfriend took on an intense, angry look, and then his legs began to spasm, as though trying to spring him away from the vicar and the blessing. The vicar told us that I was being kept safe by a holy man. We were shattered as we walked home, not only through lack of sleep, but also weary, exhausted, fatigued by what was happening to us. There were times when things got far too much, way out of hand. My mother would change before my eyes, taking on the appearance of an angry old crone. One who called me Charlotte and said she wanted to hurt me. By this time, we were in touch with a spiritualist group 
and through them we contacted someone that they thought could actually help us. An exorcist. He arrived a few days later, a rather normal, soft-spoken man in his fifties, with the appearance and manner of a schoolteacher. He exercised my mother whilst her boyfriend held her down. It was an awful thing to watch. To our shock and near disbelief, the exorcist told us that the cause of all the happenings was a demonic infestation. The banging, growling, the grunting sounds, the sour stench that hung thick in the air as this quiet, nondescript man repeatedly recited his special prayers. Suddenly, while he was speaking, the light in the room changed. The sunlight streamed in. We noticed all the noises had stopped, and from nowhere the air was fresh, clean, and smelt of roses. A couple of years later, when I was 17, we managed to get a housing exchange with a young family. They had a small boy of five, and they were looking for a larger home. We thought that whatever it was that had troubled us in the past had gone, and that they would be safe. A few months later, we began to settle into our new home, albeit in a rougher area. But we were away from that house, and that was good enough for us. Then, one day, there's a knock at the door, and the boy's mother was there. And she told us how, well, she loved the house, at first. But her son had started seeing an old woman around the house. She said the worst thing was the staircase. They had child safety gates fitted at the top and bottom, and the boy was in his bedroom playing upstairs one morning, when suddenly the mother heard her son cry out in pain. Somehow, the boy had fallen down the stairs and broken his arm, even though both safety gates were still locked and closed. As he cried in her arms, he told her that the nasty man had pushed him. She came to us and she said she just wanted to ask if anything weird had happened to us whilst we lived there. It's now been over 20 years since these events happened, and I still have nightmares about being there. But I will admit, I'm strangely drawn to that old house, and I wonder, is that thing still there? Was anyone else affected by it? When and why did it even begin to trouble that house? Yes, I am drawn to that house. But I would never go back there. Would you? Wow. Rachel, no, I would not go back to that house. And sincerely, I want to thank you so much for sending in such an amazing experience for this week's mini-sode. As ever... 
Thank you all for choosing to spend your time with me here on this mini-sode. And I can't wait to speak to you all again on Friday for our next instalment of The Dark Paranormal Season 14. Until then, take care.